Thanks for tuning in to The Happiness Playbook, a podcast that supports your practice of play theory, a life strategy that cultivates hope, generosity, and validation of self and others. Here at The Happiness Playbook, we believe life is a team sport, and we're all in this together. So let's join forces as we focus on the positive and share tips and practices to improve your happiness game. I'm Larie Florence, and I'll be your host for episode 92 of the Happiness Playbook. Whether you love video games or loathe them, you'll be served by the ideas I cover as we explore the power of gamifying your life. Stay tuned for more, but first, it's time for our post-game analysis. After listening to episode 91, when you were in the shower this last week, did you try out the awesome prompt Jana Hargadon shared with us? Did you ask yourself the question, am I in the shower or not? It's so simple, yet so effective at bringing us back to the immediacy of the moment. Were you able to extrapolate and try it in other places as well? Think about how much safer our roads would be if everyone driving asked themselves occasionally, am I driving or is my mind somewhere else? Distracted driving would be a thing of the past. Right, it's time for some team huddle. I had a really wonderful note from Heather who said, I just wanted to tell you, we have really enjoyed the work you have put into the podcast. It has been a great way to reinforce beautiful morals and healthy principles with my children. Thank you so much, Heather, for recognizing and then taking the time to acknowledge the work behind this effort. It does take time and resources, and I really appreciate that you appreciate that. Also, thank you for letting me know that this effort is helpful. We live in a world of excess. I'm old enough to remember a TV with five channels that signed off at midnight every night with a countdown to zero and then static. I also remember having to wait a whole week till the next episode of my favorite TV show came out. Today, we have seemingly limitless choices available at all hours of the day and night. So I really appreciate all of you listening, allowing this podcast to take up a small slice of your bandwidth. I respect that you have other options, which is why I work hard to make each episode worth your while. If you do find value in this podcast, please help a friend out, help me out, copy the link and text it to them. A recommendation from a trusted source in today's barrage of content is invaluable. Our listening numbers are slowly but steadily growing. An easy way to increase the visibility of the podcast is to click on those five stars in iTunes and a really big help is to leave a review. I really appreciate the comments and feedback, but a review on iTunes or one of the other streaming platforms is what really increases the podcast's exposure and will help more people find this message, which will help more people find greater peace and hope in these crazy times. For our highlight reel, we have something fun. Despite scheduling a four-day cushion between their flight and their wedding day in Skye, a Scottish island, After several delays, then cancellations, Amanda and Paul Riesel didn't arrive until 11 p.m. the night before their big day, which still would have worked except for the final blow. 
their luggage with all the wedding outfits and supplies was lost. After having endured over 72 hours of travel purgatory, the pair was ready to give up on their dream wedding. Luckily, their photographer, Rosie Woodhouse, upon learning of their challenges, took matters into her own hands. She posted an appeal on a local social media platform, and by breakfast, the community had found a kilt for Paul and a wedding dress for Amanda. The couple was thrilled to be able to still celebrate their special day together in the very special community on the island of Skye. I'll link the article with pictures of Paul and Amanda in the show notes. That took a lot of looking outward on the photographer's part and the villagers on the island. Also, Paul and Amanda had to let go and play and be willing to wear different wedding clothes than the ones they'd planned on. They also had to accept the situation. Their luggage was lost and they were out of time. And then they had to build on the opportunities that Rosie, their photographer, came up with by finding them replacements for their wedding outfits. That took a lot of mental work, and by the smiles on their faces, it looks like it was worth it. In contrast, imagine if instead of following these play theory principles, the people in the story hadn't let go of their expectations for the perfect wedding. Their dreams would have still been dashed, but with no alternative happy ending. In such scenarios, there is no justice. No amount of compensation from the airline could have made up for their disappointment. And if they had refused to be pacified or to accept an alternative solution and instead had dug in and doubled down on their disappointment, then their disappointment and sorrows would only have been magnified. So play theory for the win. It's time now for our play-by-play. Are you ready to gamify your life? Last week, I said we'd be talking about video video games. If my kids listened to this podcast, they would be very confused because I don't play video games and as a personal philosophy, I'm generally not a fan of them. I see people escaping into virtual worlds that can sometimes be violent and disrespectful of human life, but to each his own, and I know all video games are not that way. But when my boys lived at home, I only let them play Mario Brothers sometimes, and we never owned a gaming console. And honestly, I'm absolutely illiterate when it comes to video games, so why am I even going here? Video games are very successful. They're good at drawing people in and keeping their interests. Players stay motivated and work hard at achieving goals. Those are good things. Maybe we can glean a little life wisdom here if we take what makes a good video game and apply it to our own lives. To be clear, video games are successful because they tap into what makes us humans tick. Let's start with the idea of a goal. Video games have missions, quests, objectives, things we're trying to achieve. People playing them are trying to accomplish these goals. When they do so, they level up or move on to a higher playing field. All of that sounds like great strategy for our regular three-dimensional lives as well. We have tasks, chores, and goals. Some are daily or short-term, and some will take a lifetime. 
just like in the video game, the better we are at identifying these goals and then staying focused on them and not getting distracted, the more likely we are to accomplish them. And also, just like when a gamer masters a skill set and they advance to a new arena or playing field, that happens for us in real life as well. When we graduate from high school, we move on to full-time employment, college, or higher-level vocational training. When we practice until we've mastered the 4.0 skill set of pickleball, then we can play with higher-ranked players. Video games are designed to be enticing to our senses. The vibrant colors and underscore draw us in, while the excitement of battling an adversary or discovering a brand new environment releases the feel-good neurotransmitter dopamine, which our brain will crave again and again. Let's pause for a very, very shallow dive into the physiology of the human brain and behavior. Behind every human action, you can find two driving forces. The first necessities, something we need, like food, sleep, or avoiding pain, and second, rewards, any object, event, or activity that motivates us, causes us to learn, or helps us feel pleasurable feelings can be a reward. Dopamine is released when we accomplish a goal or are exposed to new experiences because we view these as rewarding. Even the expectation of being rewarded can release a feel-good hit of dopamine. And once our brain has experienced it, we crave it over and over again. Video games have elaborate reinforcement and reward schedules that take advantage of this dopamine reward process. This keeps gamers involved and motivated to continue playing. Like all games, which in general are created to have fun while also pursuing an objective with defined steps to achieve a goal, video games have set pathways to accomplish the game's mission. We can let go and play and apply these same tactics when we set up rewards and stimulating experiences for our life to keep us motivated and committed to achieving our desired goals. The basic idea is to identify a desired outcome, then assign a reward for achieving that goal. For example, instead of setting a punishment for not doing something important like brushing your teeth, choose something that's exciting and set up the steps needed to get that reward. Maybe this looks like you have a chart and after you've got three weeks of check boxes, you can go out to the movies or whatever it is you decide will make you feel satisfied. It can be something far simpler, even just writing the goal down so you can have the reward of crossing it off can be enough to keep some people motivated. Have you ever done something that you thought was on your to-do list, but you found out that you'd forgotten to write it down? So you go and write it down after you've accomplished it, just so you can have the pleasure of crossing it off? That's the power of the reward. Here's a few ways I gamify my goal to run regularly. I have a watch that clocks my time. It helps me identify the pace that I'm running. I can check it to see if I'm on pace. 
I'm always amazed at how motivated I am to get that number to go down, even by a few seconds. If you're a social person, you can post your physical activities on Strava, an app that builds connection with others, doing a variety of physical fitness activities. My husband's on Strava. I'm not. Whenever I join him on a run or a bike or a swim, he has to take a picture that he posts on his post showing the real reason his time was slower than usual because I was slowing him down. There are tons of apps that are using these principles to keep you focused on your goals. How about this one called Zombies Run? It turns your run into an epic escape from flesh-eating zombies. Disclaimer, I haven't tried it, but it sounds kind of fun. And that's a way to reward yourself and make your goal of running regularly more obtainable. There are apps like Streaks or Habify that help you develop or track a habit. It's amazing how powerful the reward of an uninterrupted streak can be. I once had something like a 165-day streak on the language app Duolingo. I was determined to keep it going, even while on a 10-day trip to Thailand. Imagine my dismay when I lost a day crossing the international date line and my streak was irretrievably broken through no fault of my own. I was so devastated, I quit Duolingo and didn't return to it for years. There are a few apps that will turn your effort to achieve your goals into a game. Another is called Forest. It's perfect if your goal is simply to not get distracted by all the other temptations on your phone. When you want to stay focused, you plant a tree in the app. Then your tree grows as long as you're staying on task. But if you leave the app before the time that you've scheduled is over, your tree will die. This app is super cool because they even partner with an organization that plants trees in the three-dimensional world as they get proceeds from their app. Do you need help managing or learning about finances? Then try Mint, a free budgeting app that's gamified all the checklists and trackers to keep you motivated to stay on your budget. Want to learn a musical instrument? Give the app Musician a try. That's spelled like the word U-Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-N. It's an app that's like an educational guitar hero. It can be a great start when you can, and then after you've mastered that basic skill, you can move on to a teacher in real life who, if they're any good, will still use rewards to keep you motivated. My kids went to great lengths to earn their 100 days of consecutive piano practice certificates. Shout out to Mrs. Tudsbury, who was the mastermind behind that. Even basic task lists can be gamified. This app sounds fun. Epic win. As you accomplish your chosen chores, you earn credit to improve and develop a game character in an ongoing quest to earn riches and level up within the app. If you're not into apps, I get it, and there are still ways you can gamify your life to help you achieve your goals and make staying on task more enjoyable. 
Something I do is pair a less desirable task with something rewarding. For example, I'll fold laundry while watching a favorite show. I garden as long as a podcast episode lasts. I listen to a book on tape or an audible while running. I'll watch an educational video on YouTube while cooking dinner. While my kids were all at home, we played Broadway show soundtracks at full volume while we cleaned the house. Even though we were on task cleaning, my kids to this day say those times were some of the highlights of their childhood. Even something as silly as counting can turn a task into a game. I recently had the privilege of hiking the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu in Peru. There were some long stretches of trail at high elevation. Anything over 10,000 feet will slow me down. In order to keep a steady pace, I came up with this game. I would count to 100, the first 80 steps moving as consistently as I could. Then at 80, I could slow my pace while still counting until I got to 100, and then I would start over again. That looking forward to getting to 80 and having that 20 counts of a break sounds silly, but it was enough to keep my mind occupied and on task and kept me moving steadily up the mountain. Another game I play with counting is when there's something I don't want to do that's a little thing. For example, I noticed a grandkid had tied a ribbon around a tree trunk that I walk by every time I go out to my pickleball court. I kept telling myself I needed to go get some scissors and cut it off because it wasn't good for the tree. Finally, I told myself, okay, let's count how long it will take to go back inside and get the scissors and do it. Suddenly, it was no longer a have-to-do chore. It had become a quest. How fast could I go to accomplish this goal? Usually, these little tasks take less than two minutes. It took me two minutes and 38 seconds to turn back around, go into the house, get the scissors, come out, cut the ribbon, throw the ribbon away, put the scissors away, and then return. That is far less time than I spent previously thinking I should go and cut that ribbon off the tree. So there it is. You get the idea. So here's the play of the week. When you find yourself lacking motivation to take on a chore or task or follow a routine, try gamifying it and turn it into a quest. Let go and play and have fun. Set up a system of accountability like a checklist or a chart that you can keep track on or use an app to record your progress. Identify a reward and have fun with it. Piggyback a dull task with something you enjoy like upbeat music or listening to a podcast. Hint, hint. Let me know what works for you and how you bring playfulness into your life to make it more meaningful and successful. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you have a few new ideas on how to increase your motivation while also having fun pursuing your goals. If you learned something valuable, look outward and share this episode with someone you know who could use a little more happy in their life. That's it for this week. George Orwell said, 
Happiness can only exist in acceptance. Do you agree? Next week, we'll be exploring this concept as we expound on the age-old adage, bloom where you're planted. Until then, remember, happiness isn't something that happens to you. It's something you make happen. And here at the Happiness Playbook, we're all about helping you do just that. Until next week, keep practicing happy. You got this.